So Jacques Howard here. I'm at Bethany House of Hospitality, 426 Hamilton Avenue in Trent, New Jersey. We got a little holla going on in the background. So we're, we are having a Vesper dinner, and it's uh, around the subject of Martin Luther King and MLK Day of Service, which is a few days away. And uh, the Bethany House has partnered on several occasions to do things here in Trenton, New Jersey, but specifically the Martin Luther King Day of Service cleanup. So uh, I guess it was about maybe three or four years ago, Alyssa Haran, who lived just down the street at the Haran Funeral Home, which is our family, she said, hey, Jacques, you know, I want to do something to clean up the city. So she started an organization called Care Trenton. And we went around doing all kinds of cleanups in different parts of the city, but concentrating here um, in the Chambersburg area, Columbus Park, et cetera. And I met Alyssa originally when we were doing the initial clean out of the Bethany house. She saw some activity going on down the street from her house and said, hey, What's going on? So she came over, was going to do some dumpster diving, but jumped right in and helped us clean up. And uh, we, we formed a wonderful friendship um, through that. And so when she started Care Trenton to, to do cleanups, we, as I said, we had done a bunch in the neighborhood. And then she said, I'd like to do one on MLK Day. And that is when I met Kimby Heil as well. Because Kimby connected with me, and I'm not sure how. Kimby yeah. was a former. She was a resident. No, this was before oh, she was a true. resident. This that's is. True. I have no idea how she got my information, but she contacted me and said, "Hey, I heard you're doing a cleanup. I'd like to come down with a bunch of students." And as she came, and I believe she came with approximately 30 young adults, some of them who had never been in Trenton before. So their first experience was to come into Trenton on MLK Day and do a day of service. And uh, we did that for a couple of years, and then I connected with Will Foskey, who's a local filmmaker. And this video that we're going to play now through his company, Trenton Going Global, is the video that he created in 2014 when we had the MLK Day of Service. So one of the things about, um, and I'm a little emotional, whenever I hear that speech, oh man, it just gets me. Uh, in that video, you could see the diversity, the ages, the different ethnic backgrounds, etc. And, uh, you know, as David mentioned, you can see how the city has changed. Mm -hmm. You know, Pollo Camparo was just opened, mm -hmm. and now that's a thriving locally owned business. The, the dilapidated, rundown old bank building is gone, and now it's a thriving McDonald's for whatever you know your thoughts are about McDonald's but if you're from this community and you can see a McDonald's as opposed to a dilapidated torn down vacant building it changes the complexion of what you see and it changes you know your values in life and I was one of the people who was very outspoken about if McDonald's wants to come in let them do what they're going to do. You don't see McDonald's closing down. They just don't. I mean, when they open, they're there. For whatever your thoughts are about their business practices, if there's a McDonald's in your community that shows that there's growth and there's job opportunities and some other things. Um, so, so while we're looking for the other video, um, can we go around the room and just introduce ourselves and uh, give a little bit of information about what you think about Trenton? Not yet. 
Yeah. Amy, you want to go first? Sure. My name is Amy Chung. I'm one of the residents here at Bethany House. And one thing that I think is so special about Trenton is the history. Um, I personally actually haven't made it to the barracks yet, but I would like to at some point. Uh, but the um, role that Trenton played during the Revolutionary War is something that I think is not talked about as much as it should be. So. Yeah. My name is Christina Hyman. I am also uh, a resident at the Bethany House. Amy kind of stole my answer because I would say the history of Trenton fascinates me as well. Um, also, there's just a lot of beautiful architecture and some great green space. So, um, yeah, it's a beautiful city. Um, my name's Sabina Marroquin, also a resident here at Bethany House. Um, when I first came to Trenton, I fell in love with all the art and how community-driven it is and how um, there's a lot of good people doing great things to make the community a better place, and I find that extremely inspiring. My name is Tom Pong, and uh, a resident at Bethany House also. And uh, there was a time when I used to walk around and take the bus uh, back and forth uh, from Trenton to Princeton to go to school. And um, I noticed that the people here that would walk past, they were much more friendlier. Uh, they were much more willing to greet me, even. And so I just received a you know, much different Im uh, impression than what I imagined. My name is Dave Byers, and I'm a house parent here at Bethany House. And I got involved with Trenton a couple decades ago, uh, working on transportation projects. And I fell in love with the history of, of Trenton and its music and wonderful events, uh, great neighborhoods. And one of the most remarkable things about Trenton, once a year, they have Art All Night, which you have 30,000 plus people, art and music and celebration, and it's the most amazing thing you've ever gone to. <laughs> I'm Karen Hernandez-Granzen. I'm the pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church. I have the awesome privilege of being the chaplain of all these residents. Um, as a city person, I'm a New Yorican. I've lived in uh, as well as New York, I've lived in Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco. Um, I appreciate that this is kind of a smaller city and you feel it, you know, the strength of it. I feel like we have op more opportunities because we kind of can work within this geography. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but at least, you know, it's contained. Um, I, I, one of the things I really appreciate is um, the historic landmark this church is, this uh, city is because of Mrs. Hedgepath and Mrs. Williams. Um, they desegregated the school system after their children would have to walk from one side of Trenton to the only African school for blacks, right? In the city of Trenton, they fought and in 1944, they won the suit and Trent, the state of New Jersey became desegregated. And then the famous Brown versus the Board of Education, 10 years later, 1954, they cited this case. So I, I'm disappointed when some native Trentonians don't even know this history. Uh, so I always keep repeating it because I'm proud of this city. My name is Dean Foose, and I live in Princeton and visit Trenton uh, 
not with great frequency, but with some frequency, and especially Bethany House. I'm a member of Nassau Presbyterian Church, which has a relationship with the uh, with Bethany House as as a place of hospitality. And I think one of the great strengths of of Trenton, and Tom mentioned this, is its hospitality. Um, it does have a rich history. It's an amazing city in terms of uh, literally the, the history of uh, this nation and the history of its industry. It used to have, and it may still have that on the bridge. Trenton makes and the world takes. It still has it. Uh, it has an incredible uh, history of, uh, of uh, pottery, uh, all kinds of, of art. Uh, it, it's just a remarkable city. So for the next few minutes, um, I can pose some questions um, that I'd like to you know, put to the group um, all around the idea of MLK and social justice and civic engagement and civil rights. And uh, you know, I was getting a little emotional earlier hearing the I Have a Dream speech portions of it. And even now, it, Hearing those words, it takes me back to uh, Tony Brown. I remember watching a, one of his interviews on his program, Tony Brown's Journal, where he said that he saw Martin Luther King in person. And uh, he was telling a story about how he wanted, in his eyes, Martin to be much more aggressive and progressive. And he said that uh, he hadn't seen Martin for a while, and then he saw him, and he said he was different. His appearance was different, his spirit was different, and then he gave the speech. And he said he knew at that point that Martin knew that his life was coming to an end here on earth. And whenever I think back to that, I think about how powerful that is, that God revealed that to him. And that he had accepted it, which is a whole other issue. Because it's one thing to have God reveal something to you, but we have a tendency to say, what, me? No, I can't do that. But he accepted that faith. And it had, he had accepted it, and it changed him so much that his physical appearance, the people who knew him, knew that something was different. So I guess what I think about is, how do we get to that point of enlightenment in our lives as individuals, to where we can hear God speak to us and then be in a, a position of comfort where we can accept that and say okay God not my will but yours and then to go forward so that's one of the things that that always resonates with me especially during this time of the year so there's a few things that I wanted to have and, and uh, I've got way more questions that we are going to have time to answer um, but I think the first thing that I'd like to know individually is what does Martin Luther King mean to you in one sentence? Something short, something sweet. And if anybody wants to step up, um, just again, just state your first name and then uh, maybe put your sentence out. I love the fact that everyone's thinking. 
as a child, when I first was introduced to Martin Luther King, I remember my mom had a, a 45, I think it was. That was one of his, it was a bunch of his speeches. I don't even know where she got this from. But I remember listening to it. And it was a big deal for her to play it. And I remember seeing like the emotion in her and in other people who were there. It was almost like we've arrived. Mm. And you know, that's something that I, I guess I put in the back of my mind because I, I guess I thought if my parents, my loved ones feel that way, then hey, that's what I'm supposed to do. So I should feel as though I have arrived. But when I look at it in comparison to what's happening today and from that time when I was a child, I question, have we really arrived? And being as actively involved in civic engagement and in the community here in Trenton and abroad, I am constantly battling that. Have we really arrived? Would Martin Luther King be happy or satisfied with the progress that we've made? No. 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 Yeah, my, 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 I, I'm not sure what kind of a feeling it is, but there's a kind of a juxtaposition of having watched uh, President Obama's speech, his farewell speech, here with such close proximity to MLK Day and thinking of, I guess that, <clears throat> I mean, here is, here was King, and I can remember, I, I can remember vividly the day he was shot. Uh, and, and here I am now witnessing the closure of Barack Obama's presidency. And there's a, there is a juxtaposition and he said, you know, we haven't. I mean, he said, you know, he, he talked about progress. But uh, when, when I think, <clears throat> well, Obama said it's two steps forward and, and one back. And I think maybe King said the same thing. And I think this is the way we're going to continue to move. Uh, maybe until <laughs> uh, <clears throat> we're all called home. That uh, you know, sadly, it's we're now stepping back. Anyone else? Either a sentence or to chime in with what MLK means or has meant to you. Yeah, uh, I can talk about Tom Tom. Uh, it was MLK Day of 2016, so it was last year. Um, I was at a, I was serving at a, uh, you know, kind of upper class white Presbyterian church, and it was MLK Sunday, and I was set to preach, and, um, you know, he really gave me the courage to speak out against, you know, white privilege, white racism, uh, to a mostly white congregation, and, you know, writing and preaching that sermon, like, changed me for good, <laughs> and it completely kind of set me on this trajectory of like uh, speaking more about, you know, racism on campus, uh, especially with uh, you know, my peer group there. So, yeah, he's, he's been an inspiration. The fruit of this house 
Bethany has the hospitality, the diversity amongst you is, you know, is a witness, you know, that things are changing. <laughs> um, we have a long way to go, but the more we can create these kinds of community uh, that are diverse in many ways, um, the more we can live out his dream. I would say um, what I think most about Martin Luther King Jr.'s choice, and you were referring to this, Jacques, to choose love, mm -hmm. to always choose love and not hate, and that the love was not just for his own kind. It wasn't just for African Americans. He insisted on love being for all people, and so he looked out for the poor, right? And when we were at war, he looked out for, you know, um, people here that were fighting and people in Vietnam, like we needed to stop this craziness. So yes, I think of his love. Your first experiences with MLK, from when you were a young person to where you are now in life, how has that changed? If it has at all. I know for me personally, I take it for granted sometimes. So I grew up like hearing frequently about MLK, Rosa Parks. That a lot of African American history was in my home, but I just considered that the norm, and I never felt as though I was being forced, for lack of a better word, to learn my history. So when I do come across people now later in life, they're like, "Wow, I didn't know." about this person that got inspired, like Marcus Garvey was inspired because of what MLK did. And to me, it's just like, I feel like you should, but I'm so used, so taking it for granted for what I feel like more people should utilize. We willingly will make sure we have the latest things and what have you, but we don't always willingly go out of our way to educate ourselves about our history. And um, that is the, the point of civic engagement. Um, when I started doing uh, radio and TV, which I fell into doing, um, I then realized, you know, started paying attention to what was going on in the community, what was going on in my life, and came up with the idea and the concept of civic engagement radio, and what does civic engagement really mean? And um, the New York Times, and I'm summarizing, described civic engagement as working to make a difference in the life of our communities and developing the combination of knowledge, skills, and values. And it seems simple. And then I realized that we don't teach civics in school anymore. We don't teach young people what their responsibility is. It could be as simple as if it snows, we have to shovel the sidewalk. Put your trash out at the proper time or, or during the day, proper day. Cut the grass. If you see a light post out, make a phone call. Those simple things that I believe culturally we've taken for granted is what is the basis of civic engagement. And then I started thinking, 
in comparison to some of the things that are happening in Trenton and then some of the surrounding communities, Hamilton, Ewing, Lawrence, Princeton, that there's a more civically active residence. The residence, if a street light is out, probably everyone on that block is calling. And then I said to myself, is this socioeconomic? Is it divided because of people's ethnic backgrounds, etc.? And I said, okay, can we put that together with MLK and his efforts? And was he really just teaching civic engagement? And I think he was. To love everyone, to treat everyone fairly, the way that you want to be treated, the golden rule, etc. Please jump in, some thoughts. I agree that um, he was trying to improve or increase civic engagement, but I think he was also trying to change the civic arena. So for me, if I had to summarize MLK in a sentence, I would, or a few words, I, I think of the words courage and conviction because he really saw the better America that could be. And so it wasn't just about being engaged in the society or in, in, in the public sphere, but it was really about making things better, about reaching a better place together. And I think that that sort of... I, I don't want to call it positivism, but there was something very um, affirming and, and good about MLK. And I think we don't have someone of that caliber today. I don't know why, but I don't think we do. And regarding not having anyone of that caliber today, do you think that it's because people aren't interested? Or do you think that culturally now we just don't look for one person to be that beacon there's more people who are doing similar work? And I say that because if you think about the, the people who are considered leaders of, of the black culture or the black movement or the African American movement, generally it navigates to a few men or a couple of celebrities. And I don't know if, if they, those people are the ones that the average person looks to and says, I'm supportive and I'm behind what that person is doing. But I can tell you here in Trenton alone that we've got dozens of men and women of different ethnic backgrounds who are doing work that is very similar to what Dr. King was doing or did do. So I'm not certain if it's Culturally, we just don't want one person to, to speak for us. If there's more people who are out doing some of the work, like some of us who are in this room, you know, are doing some amazing things culturally and, and making a lasting change and impression on generations of people. I guess I should qualify. I wasn't alive when Dr. King was, so I can only look. I, I, it's hindsight. It's not even hindsight for me. It's historically I see him as a very um, 
I don't know. Iconic. Yeah, he, he's iconic, right? And, and maybe if I had been alive when he was alive, I wouldn't see him in that way. Maybe he would have been one of many. But from my perspective, it seems like he was singular, right? Along the lines of Mahama Gandhi or Winston Churchill or whoever. And um, I, I think it is wonderful to have many people doing what he did. But he, I think, had a galvanizing, sort of centralizing persona or reputation or whatever you want to call it. And so I think of the civil rights movement not as, as him being the sole leader, but he in many ways was, from my post-historical um, uh, perspective, that, that he was uh, not a prophet, but that he really was a first among equals. And maybe that's not right. Maybe historically that wasn't the case. I, I, I would love to hear from Dean or others who are a little bit older than me. <laughs> but um... I, I think he is iconic in that sense. And, and uh, I mean, Gandhi, I mean, Gandhi was a, a figure for him. And when you, when you go back through history and you, and you pick out people and times, I mean, you know, did the Civil War make Lincoln, or did Lincoln make the Civil War, and, and so forth and so on? Did civil rights create King, or did King pull that all? It's it's both and. Uh, for me, King King combined the the sense of justice and love better than any other human being ever has, mm -hmm. in words and in deeds, mm -hmm. so that that. There, and I tell you, the person who who comes up for me in in that sense is Michelle Obama. <laughs> I mean, when you hear her speak and 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 see her speak, it's it's almost like watching somebody like King. For me, mm -hmm. uh, the, the the magnetism. Uh, of both her words and her physical bearing, uh, all of that combined for me with King. Uh, where are you in this, David, in terms of remembering historically? I would have been in my late teens, and uh, it was a time of change. I was, uh, when was he assassinated? 68. 68, so I was still in high school. Um, there was a lot of turmoil in my high school and racial tension, and I went to Princeton High School, and uh, was we were all acting out on it and educating ourselves. But it was not a peaceful time. It was a time of a lot of agitation, and that carried forward into my. I went to Syracuse in '69, '69-70. There was a lot of rebelliousness about the Vietnam War against the principalities, against Richard Nixon, and uh, the Chicago 7 and Bobby Seale. Uh, we had a lot of- Black Panthers. Black Panthers. Yeah. There was a lot of activity uh, on campus. And Martin Luther King was all part of that whole kind of examination of this world that we're in. And so we knew things weren't right and changes need to be made. I remember doing marching in the streets of Syracuse for peace. And there was, to relate to what you're about to do, 
on Martin Luther King's birthday, uh, there's a big green movement that came out of that. And uh, locally, there's green teams that do, that's sort of the action arm of things that started back in the late 60s with People's Park and places like Berkeley and Syracuse and others. And we're still doing it. And so that's like a visible way of showing that you care about community. But I have to say, I'm really concerned. It seems that uh, technology and smartphones has pulled us, pulled us more inward and not as, it seems like it would be a good tool to connect people up, crowdsourcing, whatever you want to say. And, and maybe we're just kind of going too much into our own worlds and, and, and not thinking um, what we can do in terms of community, community building. You guys, we're, we're about up time. You, you guys give just five more minutes? Sure. Is that okay? Okay. So on Monday, we're going to do uh, an MLK Day social cleanup. And we've been doing this for many years, um, bringing um, a very diverse, eclectic group of people together, um, based pretty much out of Bethany House. And we're very thankful to Bethany House, the residents, Urban Mission Cabinet Inc., partner churches, etc., uh, for allowing us to, to use this location. Um, the MLK Day itself as a holiday, do you think that it has been successful in moving? the civil rights movement forward, or has it really just become a day off for a lot of people, in your own opinion? A little bit of both. For some people, it's a day to be absorbed to help others. For other people, it's simply just another holiday, meaningless holiday, and that's a concern. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be just a day, it should be a week or a month mm. or a, a, a raising your awareness, mm. speeches and sharing and praying, walking and networking. Anyone else want to chime in on that? I slightly agree with that. So my undergrad, they don't observe MLK Day at all. So I always find it odd that the school promoted the activity so we would have like a dinner discussion where we would talk about being similar to this, how they achieved this dream and things like that, but the school itself never closed. <laughs> and I'm like, we're such a school that's big on community service, engagement, leadership, but we don't close on the actual day and observe it. And we do all these things around it. So I found it odd all four years when I would have to come across this. So for me, that more so personally lit a fire more so that I wanted to actually do something on the day. And for others, even though they do have a day, so where I work at Rutgers Camden, they give the students a day off, and I was talking to one of my coworkers, and she was upset because her kids are at college now, so they usually get together at Rutgers and do community service there, and it's the first time she's not able to do it with her kids, but she's still doing it. I was like, wow, she's still doing this community service, even though her kids aren't here, and she's been doing it for 18 plus years at the most. So, I it's just an interesting disconnect depending on where you are. Because even when you look at Arizona, I think, what was it, the 70s or 80s, maybe even the 90s, I think it was the late 90s, that they finally recognized MLK Day. And I went to Arizona on MLK Day a couple years ago, and it was just interesting, the culture there. So I think it really depends on where you are in that type of culture to appreciate it. So when I didn't have the day off anymore, I appreciate it more. 
anyone else? I think it's important to have it, and it's up to the individual to, like, what is your intention? How are you going to spend this day? And I think all of us in this room, you know, we all have this fear of influence with ourselves, starting within ourselves, and then, you know, the immediate people around us. And I really think, or I don't know, I, I guess I'm just a fan of, like, the grassroots side of things and how, you know, starting to change within yourself and asking yourself that question, like, what does this day mean to me? And then, you know, starting with the people around you and then, you know, getting a buddy or two and then coming over to Bethany House and, you know, checking out what we're doing here. So um, it's up to the person how they perceive it, but I think it's important as a nation to recognize that day, to have that um, recognized, no matter how people perceive it. Well, I'd like to say thank you to the approximate 10 people who were here and, and the wonderful dinner that we had of Fa, right? Fa. Fa. F O H. P H O. Fa. Fa. For those of us who are from New Jersey, Fa. But um, it, it was delicious, and, um, and I appreciate again the hospitality that Bethany House um, has since it's begun and the history in these walls and in these bricks that happened before Bethany House became Bethany House, and that uh, here in Trenton, New Jersey, where George Washington became mm -hmm. George Washington, that history is being made. And um, the, again, the approximate 10 people that are here now are helping to move that history forward and to uh, build a better community for everyone. And I think Martin Luther King, Gandhi, and a whole host of others who aren't nearly as famous would appreciate our efforts. And I think that it's safe to say that their spirit lives in us as we continue to move forward. So thank you guys all. Thanks for the opportunity to come by for dinner and to talk a little bit about the event. Amen. Amen.